1: Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is the Friday edition of The Drive. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls. Yes, it is the regular crew here on this Friday. Hope everybody doing well. The weather here is great. Uh, now, that, that's that's not expected to hold through the entire weekend. But right now, it's great. There's baseball going on. And they indeed decided this morning to go ahead and play two today. And uh, they're in the process of um, finishing up game one as we speak, in a game in which uh, Auburn clinging to a ten-seven lead. It has not been it has not been a pitcher's duel. There have been runs, there have been home runs, there have been lots of walks. Uh, but Auburn leading ten-seven, top nine. We'll keep you updated on that uh, as we move along. But, you Me- know, and,
2: and with the weather. As it stands now, I mean, they could get, they're going to try to play 18 innings today after getting a full game in last night, and, you know, they're, they're going to get at least
1: one game in, and we'll see how much of the second oh, game they can get in. I mean, I, there's a chance they I play I think it's a thing. really good chance they're going to get it in. Um, but I mean, we, we, we will see, but I mean, the rain I don't think is supposed to come until uh, later on, let's see, well, I don't know, it says showers, there's a 50-50 chance of rain in about an hour. Day to day. <laughs> in about an hour, yeah. Five fifteen it says fifty one chance, fifty one percent. But I mean um then cloudy itself. I mean it just like that there's a brief chance of showers for about um, you know, an hour or so and then it just cloudy for the uh for most of the rest of the night, but then the rain is supposed to move in Early in the early hours of Saturday, I mean, you get up to around 80% chance of rain from 3 o'clock tomorrow morning, and it doesn't dip below 80% until 6 o'clock tomorrow night.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think they made the right call. I went to the game last night at Plainsman Park, and after the game was over, there was a huddle Mm -hmm. at home plate. Like, as soon as the game ended, there was a huddle at home plate regarding what to do tomorrow. And I thought trying to play as early as possible today, and, and seeing how much baseball you could get in uh, over the course of today, and and then the first inning took about an hour, which you know p- puts a puts a damper on morale when you set out to play eighteen innings of baseball when the first one takes what was it, eight runs and eight runs in about forty five minutes. The first inning, yeah, today. yeah, so a
1: three a three spot for Texas A and M in the first today with a 3-run homer Auburn came back with 5 5 and a
2: lot of those with 2 outs and 2 strikes yeah. uh, in, in, I, I think nearly all of them right I think I think yeah I think all of them came with 2 outs How about that all of them with 2 outs and and yeah, Cooper
1: uh, Cooper hits the first of two home runs McMurray uh, for uh, for Auburn today they've got a guy with two home runs there it's Minnick maybe the guy that yep. has two home runs for them today yeah. It's it's really concerning. Auburn's pitching is really concerning. We've talked about that. Obviously, the loss of Joseph Gonzalez for, you know, most of the year, and hopefully they'll get him back at some point. But it, it's really, I mean, I know it's shuffled everything, but Auburn just can't find a starter to get them four innings. I mean, uh their last six starts – Auburn pitchers, Auburn starters have thrown a total of twenty innings. I mean, you over know, the last
2: six starts. You know, Butch didn't want to go to the bullpen. No, but you got to do whatever you can I, to oh, try no, to no, win. Of course, of course, you surely can't but, be saving anybody. No, but but in, in an eighteen inning game after the way after what Auburn had to do yesterday, you, you know, you 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 have to imagine Butch wanted was it Tommy Vale uh, to be able to go out there and give. Auburn, uh, you know, a, a couple of innings where, where they they didn't have to worry about it. The bullpen, right. the bullpen was up in, in the first in, inning.
1: In the first inning. In for, the first inning. For both, because, for both teams. Oh yes, yeah. is, is the good yeah. news. But yeah, let's see. And and uh, well, well, it's ten eight now with one out and the tying runs are on base. Auburn has issued its eleventh walk the, the, of the day. Go. Auburn pitching has has walked eleven. Texas A batters today. go ahead go ahead and run us at the plate right yes the yeah. go ahead run us at the plate uh, all right we'll keep an eye on that Masters well there's nothing going on at the Masters right now at least as far as golf is concerned they're trying to clear the trees that fell they're at 17 and they uh they've they've suspended action for the
2: rest yes. of the day right because of the weather and and we, we have a couple of uh, impressive sto- uh, scores
1: Brooks Koepka. Brooks Kepka really uh playing exceptionally well i you know i was listening to baseball so i wasn't following along when when all the craziness happened there at the masters and john Rahm apparently made a run because it was a five-stroke lead the last time i'd looked and uh it, it's it's three as we're suspended right now with uh rom nine under right i mean you've, you've got kepka at 12 under rom
2: three back at nine under the amateur sam bennett is in the clubhouse after another yeah. four under day, back to back four under days for Sam Bennett. He's in third place. Colin Morikawa, in, in, I believe he's a Texas A and M golf, Texas A and yeah, M senior. senior. Yeah, we're talking A&M's. about A and M and 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 baseball. So, yes, yeah, Sam Bennett, the Texas A and M senior, is uh, is third on the leaderboard after two rounds at the Masters. Uh, Colin Morikawa, Victor Hovland, uh, Jason Day, Jordan Spieth. Phil Mickelson, uh, Patrick Reed, Adam Scott, among the golfers, just back of those three. You're you're talking about being seven, eight, nine strokes back of Brooks Kepka mm-hmm. at that point. We'll see if Kepka cools off this weekend because he's got a uh, a three-stroke lead over John Romine. I mean, he's, he's he's you you would think that five under, six under would have you within striking distance after think. two rounds at the Masters and instead you're 6 back of of Brooks Kepka if you're one of those golfers at 6 under now Kepka could cool off over these next two and, and someone could jump back into the pack. But yeah, right now it looks like, uh, there, there are three golfers that have distanced themselves a little bit, and then a bunch of golfers waiting to see if, uh, if, if those guys can,
1: uh, can slip up. All right. Uh, we're just getting underway here on the Friday drive tomorrow, a day. We just gave you the weather. Uh, it doesn't look great. That is why baseball was moved. The Frank Thomas induction ceremony has been moved inside the stadium um, it will be there on the third floor of the uh, of, of of Jordan Hair, um, and it's going to be limited to you know the number of people that can fit in there. So, uh, so that'll be going on inside now tomorrow. A day still on tap for one twenty. You can, a sixty-minute running clock. If you miss the
2: dedication, you will still have ample opportunity to see the oh, statue yes. as it oh, will yes. sit.
1: Yeah. It's not going anywhere. That, that in, in I in can't imagine in
2: perpetuity. It, it's going to yeah. be you know sitting there at, at at Plainsman Park. So yeah, it's too bad the weather didn't cooperate. Hopefully Frank Thomas understands how. Well, I think the big hurt
1: does. I think he uh, does, I think does too. He does.
2: I, I think he understands how how special he is to the fans of Auburn University athletics and and, and baseball fans in general. And it's a uh, a really cool honor that uh, that Frank Thomas is getting uh, tomorrow. And, and and I'm sure it's something that people will enjoy uh, for, uh, for generations there on Auburn's campus.
1: All right. uh, Again, but, but 8 a tomorrow for those folks that uh, are going to come over uh, and come in just, you know, hopefully, hopefully there's a window uh, between, you know, say one and three where folks could get in, get to see a little bit, they could have that practice and it'll be over. We'll talk about that. We've got audio we can run. We'd love to hear from you though, as, uh, as we get underway here, on the Friday edition of The Drive. And once again, as usual, our number one of The Drive, brought to you by our friends at Kia of Auburn on South College and KiaofAuburn.com. Kia of Auburn, where you're always number one. And they're also the sponsor of our hotline, and the number you can call in and we'd love for you to join us is three three four three two one thirteen ninety You can also text the show three three four five six four eighteen forty on the
2: drive text box presented by our friends at southeastern industrial contractors and uh yeah hopefully the uh the, the weather will cooperate for most of the you know or, or actually hopefully the weather cooperates for all it'd oh, be great uh, if it just you know, yeah sure but but it does seem like you know weather's going to impact. Part of the day tomorrow, at least. What are you? Uh, what, what are you looking forward to uh, when they're actually on the field tomorrow at a day? Like, what, what are you going to be watching for?
1: I sort of go along with what uh, Justin was saying yesterday. I mean, quarterback and receiver. Yeah. You're looking to see, you know, who can make plays, and I, I, you know they may not have a ton of opportunity tomorrow. I wonder how much they'll even throw. I really do. I wonder how much they'll throw. Tomorrow if it's rainy, if it's wet, they may just say, All right, we're gonna line up, we'll do a few things maybe in some long yardage they would.
2: I mean, no, if if they're if if it's windy and rainy, you know, they may not even want to risk it with guys running a lot of routes Mm -hmm. and, and doing that sort of thing. I was if if the weather wasn't impacting things, part of the reason I'd want to look at receiver and quarterback is just to get a sense of have they have they started whittling it down to a rotation. At wide receiver, are there are there guys getting more looks than other guys at receiver? Because right now, Bill, it, it seems pretty open as far as who's battling for playing time at wide receiver. I don't, I don't know how many, I don't know how many scholarship wide receivers aren't in the mix
1: to be in the rotation. Oh, I don't, I don't know right of now. one that isn't right in the mix. I think they all have, they all have shots. That's why it'd be great if somebody could step up tomorrow. So, yeah, that's what I'll be keeping on. I'd love to hear what you um, you know, our listeners would like to be, you know, would like to see or what you'll be watching for. Um, wow, it's 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 getting a little tense over at uh at, at Plainsman Park. Bases loaded, one out. Back-to-back walks, walks 11 and 12 on the day, and the next batter's 2 and 0 after a pitching change. Uh, it's 10 8 still, so the go ahead run is on base. Yeah, 3 1 now. Uh, the the go ahead run is at first base. Auburn desperately need. And I'll tell you one thing they have gotten today uh, they've, they've, made, they've had four double plays. That's one way where with 12 walks, you still have a chance to win the game. But boy, they desperately need to, uh... a ground ball at somebody. Full count with went, the bases loaded, 10-8 Auburn top nine. Went to Parker
2: Carlson in this uh, yeah. in, in this situation.
1: They're they're just asking yeah. is is anybody down there, uh, you know? So if anybody Mayday. answers the phone, come on in. It's your turn, and if somebody can get a big out or two, they could really step up as far as uh, you know, showing that 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 there's someone that maybe you can count on. All right, I was about to throw about, it to they're break. About to, they're about to call us. Right, yeah, next don't don't call no, don't call us. We'll call you. Uh, no, my shoulder, my shoulders are killing me. Um, I was about, I was gonna say, I was about. I'm to feeling throw it pretty. To break. Lo- I'm feeling pretty loose. I can get, I get out there, you know. I mean, just to get, you know, in an emergency. it's a whole lot different
2: when you're out there on that <laughs> mountain. Oh man! Um, oh no, I wouldn't get anybody out. I mean, that's. I you mean, think you get it to the plate? I think I could. I think I could get it. Yeah, I think I could get it to the plate. I think I. You know, it's been. I've. I've been. I, I threw the football last weekend. Felt okay. Been a while since I threw the
1: baseball, but I think I get it. They can get it to the plate but don't don't ask me to do anything more than that. Yeah, let's see. Uh, you mentioned Cooper McMurray with a couple of homers. He's had a two-homer game. Auburn's hit three homers in this game. A&M's hit three homers. Uh hopefully that is enough. Auburn looking to try to even this series at a game apiece. And I, I are, are we getting foul balls or something bated, because bated I'm seeing breath. I'm seeing
2: 3 or, and 2 or they're, or they're constantly. A, tell you what, you want to take a break and discuss uh, discuss
1: possibly a sack fly yeah. makes it 10-9, 2 outs runners at first and second. All right. So we'll yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get we'll that. get to break. Uh actually it wasn't a sack fly, it was a base hit and the runner thrown out. They tried to score 2 is what happened. They sent the runner from second threw the runner out from second. My goodness. Uh If Auburn gets the third out here, the Texas A&M third base coach might be in a little bit of hot water because, I mean, you're taking chances when Auburn can't seem to be able to throw strikes. All right, we'll get to our first break of the afternoon. Love to hear from you as we continue here on the Friday Drive.
3: College Night at Big Mike's. Yes, Big Mike's Steakhouse presents College Night with $7 Southwest egg rolls, Wickle's fried pickles, $10 chips and queso, $5 or $10 wings, $9 chicken sandwiches, and even $10 double cheeseburgers. Grab a PBR pitcher or Bush Light pitcher for only $10. Also, domestic bottles are $4 along with well drinks only at $4. Good food, good prices, good times. Big Mike's and College Night, Tuesdays from 4 to 9.
1: Welcome back into The Drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill, Dan, and Drew. And uh, it's still going on over at Sanford Stadium, Hitchcock Field at Plainsman Park. Yet another walk. This is unbelievable. This is the second time in the last four games, four conference, in the last three conference games, I guess, that Auburn has walked 13 batters. And for a team that's currently winning. Yeah. To have well, Auburn's clinging. It's ten nine bases
2: loaded, I said, two down. I said currently, you're right. Yeah. I mean, Auburn has the lead, and uh, the, the, you know, a, a tense moment here at Plainsman Park as Auburn looking to uh, l- looking to get out of it, but Parker Carlson struggling with his control. Yeah, after uh, after after inducing an out. Uh, well, his to,
1: his his out was a base hit where the runner was thrown out. The runner from second was thrown out. Since then. Uh, he's allowed to walk and and a lot of walking, falling behind the next batter. A and M challenged the, uh, the. It was the a call very close play. play. The the look the runner slid in, and if he'd had his arm out, he would have been safe. But he had his arm pulled up when you slide. You know, you you sort of pull your arms up. He is one that kept him from touching the base.
2: He is one ball away
1: from walking in the game know, tying run. Three, 3-0 count now. Not to, even close. If I'm, I'm taking two pitches, if I'm the if I'm the A and M batter, you got to take two. And he took one. Takes one. That was that was, that was close. Yeah, he he started his started his
2: walk to uh uh to, to first base, but the, the umpire called him back. Uh, late, late strike count.
1: There. I think you got to take another one. I think so too. Um, I mean, of course, this is their number three hitter. It is the number three hitter. So I mean, it may be. Hey, you get one right yeah. where you want it. You rip. And he did. And, and it's does. a base hit, and they, they take the lead. No, it's no, it's a fly ball. Out. I, my bad. I it's thought the out. ball bounced. That's now the glare care, off the screen. And a line care, drive to left and Chris Stanfield makes the play. Cari- terrible play-by-play by, play by me. Hey, I, well, no, I, I it lost carries,
2: it in the glare. It carries to, uh, to Stanfield there for the, uh, for Aubrey, the out. I
1: was, I, was wor- I was worried that it was going to keep going. I thought I saw it skip, but it was yeah. just the glare. That smudge of the fingerprint I'd, on your on your phone, but well, hey, yeah. a big win for Auburn. I don't know if
2: that one's on the fingerprint, but no, I mean,
1: they, well, I mean, they, look at the glare from here. Well, the also the problem is there's very large text on the uh, you know on, on yeah, the but on Anyway, big win for Auburn is they hold on ten nine. The series now even at a game apiece. So they will uh, start game two shortly after five o'clock because they said forty-five minutes between games. It's a big win for Auburn, though. I mean, this it is, is a series
2: we we were talking about. Auburn needed to play the series; they need to win the series. Yeah, I mean, go, going into going into yesterday's game, Auburn needed. Uh, Auburn probably needed five or six wins in their next nine games. If you look at what the schedule. I think they
1: needed six. Yeah, I mean,
2: and and that's still still a possibility. Well, that
1: means now they need to go five and two in the next. Five,
2: yeah, five of their next seven would, would would keep that alive, and that would that would put them in position where they're not.
1: And it'd get them to five hundred. Yeah. uh, you know, as they're in the second half of conference play, where,
2: which is which is where you play some really really tough teams, mm-hmm. and you know you don't want to be scrambling for victories at the end of the season. So yeah, it's a it's a nice win for Auburn, and like you
1: said, when when you can win a game where your pitching staff is not Goodness. at its you gave sharpest. A, 12, was it 12 hits and 13 walks and one? But that's the thing. The pressure is really on the Auburn offense. I mean, they they need to score. I mean, the way things are going right now, uh, trying to sort things out with the pitching staff, uh, you, what's, you feel like they need to score eight runs a game. What's available to Butch in game three? Oh, that's a good question. Let me look at... Uh, I mean, after after seeing that, I yeah, know you, you closed, yeah, you closed the it was box. It was Tommy Vale for three and a third. Hey, look, here you go. These aren't the prettiest numbers, but but again, Auburn gets the win. John Armstrong gets the win. Tommy Vale goes three and a third, six hits, four walks, five earned runs. Uh, Christian Herberholtz comes in and goes two and a third innings, two hits, three walks, two earned runs. John Armstrong, the win, two and a third innings, three hits, three walks, two earned runs. He did strike out five. Uh, Chase Alsip comes in, just retires one batter and walked two. And then uh, Peyton Carlson, Parker Carlson, gets the save. uh, Two-thirds of an inning, a hit and a walk. And uh, he picks up his first save. I believe his first save of his collegiate career. Right, and so now Auburn will be uh, trying to uh,
2: to, to, to navigate nine more outs against Texas A&M after having used six pitchers in the first game of today's doubleheader. And again, in case you missed the doubleheader news, Weather tomorrow, looking like it's not going to cooperate for baseball. So they're going to try to No, get...
1: no, much wiser to try to play it today. It looks, nope. like, it looks like there's a very good chance that they'll be able to get game and, pre- and completion. And they are they're allowing you to use tomorrow's tickets. So Yeah, if you have... either, either today's or tomorrow's tickets get you in. They're not clearing the, uh, the stadium. All they would ask is that if you have reserved seats for, for the Saturday game, those would take precedence for the game for game two here this afternoon but they're not gonna it's not gonna be that that big of a deal a lot of the folks that had tickets for tomorrow may not be in town right so if you have a if you have a ticket uh, for, hey, if you had a game, ticket for tonight and couldn't go because it was earlier, yeah. you can go over and go to the game, uh, second game of the doubleheader. You can do that as well.
2: So if you had if you had tickets to game two or game three, they will mm-hmm. let you use them to get into uh, the second game of today's doubleheader, which is the third game of the series between Auburn and Texas A and M, and Auburn going for the series win after right. beating Texas A and M ten nine in a game that started. What, three and a half, three and a half hours Started ago? at 1 o'clock.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and a, uh, a game yeah, that's that... That's what happens. I mean, you get in games like this, have to have so many pitching changes. You know, they haven't put in all the rules that we've seen in Major League Baseball what, in college. They, they've had a pitch clock for a while. Well,
2: but, I think they were right around 40, 45 minutes in the first inning with, yeah. no, with no pitching changes. With two pitchers going out there and just having a hard time getting outs. Eight runs were scored in the first inning of today's game. And, and Auburn, uh, uh, yeah, a couple, of, well, a couple of home runs from Cooper McMurray and Auburn uh, able to, uh, to, to to get the bats going and hold off A&M there in the ninth inning uh, to win uh, the, uh, the the second game of the series.
1: What's going to be really interesting now uh, for tomorrow. We talked, you know, a little bit about A day and how it's going to be limited but they're going to go ahead and do it there in the stadium. I'll be really interested to see how, you know if all the expected recruits show up tomorrow. I mean, this figures to be a big
2: recruiting weekend. Huge recruiting weekend. And not weekend. just, and not just for football. I mean, it's a big recruiting weekend for football, obviously. Spring football games are an opportunity for a coaching staff to have. I mean, they, earlier in the week, right, there have been reports about how many, uh, how, how many different highly regarded 2024, 2025 prospects could be coming to Auburn for, uh, for, for the A-Day game. It's also a big weekend in recruiting. For basketball, it's a, it's. I mean, it's Denver Jones is is believed to be uh, in Auburn right now. Yeah, I believe and believe he got in town yesterday. Th- this is a, it's a big weekend in the transfer portal. You know, across college basketball, a lot of lot of players taking official visits. A lot of players deciding to uh, what the. This is the first weekend that a player in the portal can take an official yes. visit, right? Because you mm-hmm. had. Unofficial visits going on during right. the NCAA tournament, but this is the first weekend of official visits for basketball players in the portal, and and Denver hosting Auburn hosting Denver Jones among other players that could be uh, out there in, in in different parts of basketball, and that's it's an important uh, it, it's it's an it's an important time for a coach who's trying to restock his
1: roster like Bruce Pearl, uh, after, uh, the, uh, after this past season, three three four three two one thirteen ninety. 1390. That's the Kia of Auburn hotline. Let's get to it. And John is up first. Hey, John.
4: Hey, good afternoon. And,
1: uh, happy good Friday.
4: Hey, John. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And to you, I had a uh, question for y'all.
4: Uh, last night I was watching the Auburn game and I uh, thought we had a chance to win there, but that, the uh, dissipated and we lost but anyway i noticed that our catcher's batting average was 138 30 games into the year how long can you sustain somebody in the lineup hitting 138
1: that's a very good question nate had uh nate had been taken out of the lineup a little over the last couple of weeks you'd see more of carter wright even seen like irish behind the plate one thing Carter one reason, Carter started today yeah after, he did started yeah. started uh, game one of the doubleheader today one of the reasons I think Nate stays in the lineup um especially against a team like Texas A&M is their propensity for steals they'd stolen I think 45 or 46 bases coming in and Nate is an excellent defensive catcher uh he's he's, he's has a good percentage of throwing out base runners but yeah it, it's it's been uh it, it, it's it's been more than a struggle for him. at the Bill, point. let me
2: ask you: How commonplace is it around college baseball to have someone who is a very very strong interior defensive player, center fielder, shortstop, second baseman, catcher, who is it's more? A, it's a below average. It's not very. Or, it's or not. Well, it's well not very
1: average. common. It's more likely a catcher yeah. than in any of the other spots. But but yeah, I mean that right now, uh, you know, is is the biggest hole in Auburn's lineup i
4: mean he's he's been a productive uh
1: player in the past he know, has uh, and he's a guy that's got he's some got some
4: you were
1: i'm sure it's exactly. got to be i'm sure it has to be and you know we um coming into the season he'd he changed his changed his stance he opened it up an awful lot uh and and had a really good had a really good fall and then a preseason camp and then he just started off struggling and it's just gotten worse and that's one of the that's one of the things sometimes. It's the more you think, the more you press, the worse it gets. And that's what it appears with uh, with with, uh, with him right now. Uh,
4: as the, uh, I haven't looked at the forecast. Is the weather cleared up for tomorrow
1: yet? No, we looked at it just a little while ago. There's uh, about an 85% chance of rain starting at 3 o'clock in the morning. It doesn't go back under 80% until 6 o'clock tomorrow night. Now, it's not 100%, so, you know, maybe – Maybe there will, you know, maybe Jordan hare will will be a spot where it doesn't get rain for an hour or two. That would be great. But no, it stays between eighty-five and ninety-five percent chance of rain from from three o'clock tomorrow morning till six o'clock tomorrow night.
4: Yeah, besides the obvious of a uh, having a yucky day, it's uh, it's unfortunate that you got all the recruits. Oh yeah, in that's... Auburn, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna have less than a capacity uh, you know, crowd
1: there. Oh yeah, I mean. Uh, that, that that's one of the things I'd been thinking wow what a great opportunity because Auburn Spring Day is earlier than everybody else's you can go ahead and get them in now, I, I thought there would be a you know a very good sized lively crowd but it's hard to expect that with the with the weather forecast you, you'll
2: get you'll get the opportunity with I mean because we're not really talking about class of 23 guys so you'll get the opportunity to have them on campus presumably in, know, in, a, in a football game I know but it'd be game. great great oh, to get yeah. that you know, early impression. Absolutely. And that's uh, that that's unfortunate, but you know, you can, can plan the, the best possible picnic and wet weather can spoil it.
4: All right. Well, I appreciate
1: y'all's time. Y'all have a good weekend. Appreciate the call. Uh, John, I wanted to check something because oh. I've heard Hugh freeze say this twice in the last four days. And I know we've been saying what, uh, what the NCAA had said, but I, but the NCAA notified its members that the transfer portal window has been changed. It is no longer May 1st to May 15th. It is April 15th to April 30th. And Hugh said it, Coach Freeze said it at the press conference Tuesday. I heard him say it again on Tiger Talk that we've got to get on this portal starting April 15th. I had not seen that release, so I checked it, and the NCAA has indeed moved the portal The 15 days this spring are April 15th through April 30th, so um, it's not going to be long before players are jumping in the portal, and Auburn's definitely going to be looking. We'll get to our bottom-of-the-hour break. Love for you to join in here on the Friday Drive. Welcome back into the drive
0: here on this Friday
1: afternoon, Bill and Dan drew at the controls. And yeah, I mean, uh, as we mentioned, going into the bottom of the hour, um, I thought I should check when I, when I heard coach freeze talking about the portal saying being open for portal business, starting the 15th of April, when the last thing we had seen from the NCAA was that the spring portal window of 15 days was May 1st through 15th. And you found that it has changed just for football. Yeah, I was reading,
2: because uh, I, had, I had also been operating under the assumption that uh, the, the rules had stayed with, with a May 1st through May 15th transfer portal window, but apparently that, that at some point during the season, that changed from May 1st to May 15th to April 15th through April 30th. So the transfer portal window for undergraduate football players is i'll tell you yeah I'll two tell you, weeks I'll, uh, two weeks in the second half of this month
1: right starting um about a week, week from tomorrow yeah, about a week from tomorrow yeah. a week from tomorrow uh well i'll tell you that a, a lot of folks didn't that sort of slipped under the radar because um i see uh, usa today says the second transfer portal window will open up may 1st for college football so usa today doesn't know that it had changed i mean i guess uh Folks hadn't seen that. Sports Illustrated also says the that's the transfer window. So they yeah. sort of slipped it by. I'm sure all the coaches know. You know, the coaches all know, and it's like, well, why tell? Why worry about telling the media? They'll figure it out when players start committing somewhere. Players, you know, announce here in the portal, and all of a sudden say that they've committed to another school. Right, and, and I still think this is a better system
2: than a. Just unlimited. Oh, nine I think months, it's much better. You know, sort of wondering because you remember you had players last year. You had players go through spring practice and then sort of ambush their teams with the news that they wanted to go into the transfer portal. You had players transferring pretty late in the process. Like I do think a a you know this this is, this is a, be- a better system. You also had in 2021, especially you had so many players opt out. Of the rest of the season, or going to the portal midway through the year, and I understand why, for the benefit of the sport, why the NCAA and why coaches would want to curtail that would would want to stop players from declaring for the transfer portal at midseason mm-hmm. and saying, "Oh, you know, I'm gonna."
1: And, and, hey, and, players can announce that they're that they're not going to play anymore. Well that's what that's like what that. that's, that's even, what happened instead. Yeah. But at least then you don't have
2: you don't have players being recruited right during the season not or, publicly or, or yeah, you don't have anything like that happening or or and, and it also I, you know the I guess it would be you you give you give an advantage to like you level you level the playing field by forcing the player to wait until the season's over to open mm-hmm. their recruitment because teams that are maybe in the thick of it wouldn't want to recruit in the you know, mid-season. in, the, in the You know, there, there's, there's reasons why they, they would... There's good reasons. And so I can, uh, I, I can think it's a better system than what we have now, but they're, they're still working the kinks out and figuring out the dates. And, and and like you said, there's nothing stopping players from just opting out and saying, all right, I'm going to stop playing this year and then when the season's over, I'm going to go into the transfer Well, I mean, you
1: know, Auburn's, had a, Auburn's had a couple of players announce that they're going to enter the transfer portal. They can't officially do that now until next week. Um, Does Auburn have players waiting to to go into the transfer portal? I, I, I A couple aware. of linebackers, right? Oh, that's right. Is, yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, Cam Riley. Yeah, not Cam Riley, Cam Brown. Cam Brown. Yeah, right. yeah Cam, Cam Brown. Cam that's, Brown and right. Desmond Tisdell. That's right. That's right. have both announced that they're going to enter the transfer portal. So you can still have players saying that, but the portal will officially open up next Saturday and run through the end of April. Uh, now, I thought you were going to say that Auburn, during the season this past year, oh, no, had a couple I mean, of players. I mean,
2: during spring training. Because I remember during, during the season last year, there was talk of, well, they're trying to preserve their red shirts. It's like, no. These are players that have already redshirted. That we're deciding uh, they're right. gonna, they're going to opt out of the the trans, you know, opt out of the rest of the season, and then go into the transfer portal after the season is over. And I, you know, especially if you're f- football is such a physical sport, Bill. Like I understand even if it even if it is adjacent to quitting on your team or you know whatever you know people people have sort of bad feelings in their mouth about. But like I understand why a player who knows he's transferring would say i 'm going to i 'm going to sit out the rest of the season and then go into the transfer portal after the season is over. you know it's better for all parties involved. What was strange to us was the coach was then being demonized for not wanting you know to involve players that had announced they were going into the transfer portal anymore right like they 're not going to be part of your program anymore. Why should you? That was that was weren't we? I mean, I don't want to misremember this, Bill. weren't we the only ones saying that? was not everybody else like? Yeah, oh, how you're, could you- well,
1: you're right. A lot, a lot of folks were. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> tomorrow, I mean, here's here's what we thought. Spring is has been very important for a lot of these players. Um, I mean, Coach Freeze has has talked quite a bit about what he would like to add. He he's still saying that. If the right guy is there, they'd add a quarterback, they'd like a receiver, they'd like an offensive lineman or two, they might, might take another linebacker. They're looking for experienced depth and competition from experienced guys here in the transfer portal. Um, I would think since the portal is going to be open in a week, uh, there will be a few more players who after tomorrow's A-Day game announce that they're going to enter it.
2: Oh, yeah, I think this could be a busy week this weekend and the next. Well, with the transfer portal opening on the 15th, the next 8 days should be pretty busy as mm-hmm. far as players. And I don't know if it will be as busy as the post as the as the
1: spring, you know, as probably the, not. Probably not. I mean, it's going to take sort of special I don't time. Know
2: how you, what what do you call the two windows? What do you call it? The, the, the the January window and the, the fall and
1: the spring. Okay, well I don't the, know.
2: The fall window is is one that I would expect to be the busier of the two because that's everybody jumping in as soon as the season is over and everybody in the portal now. Everybody who would go in the portal now has had more time to to process it. But uh, no, you could still see you can still see quite a bit of activity over the next month or so. Yeah, so uh, we'll we'll be keeping up with that. Um, and what did Hugh Freeze say earlier in the week as far as what Auburn could be shopping
1: for? In the portal, that yeah, wasn't there? He didn't mention quarterback when he was with us in the press conference Tuesday, but he said it a couple of times since that the right if the right quarterback is available, sure they'd like to add one, but definitely receiver, uh, offensive line, linebacker. Where on the offensive you think it would be interior interior, interior, guys interior out guards? Out yeah. I don't think he'd mind a third another tackle though, yeah. um, but I think I think it's primarily an interior. Uh, guy that he'd like to add and i wonder if it i wonder if the priority
2: is we need to improve on the current starting options or we need to find someone who could be a, a, a as good as those players if called into action as the as the third or fourth guard like i, w- I wonder where i mean with with Jeremiah and who i understand has been injured and, and mm-hmm. has not been able to participate you got Tate Johnson you got Cam Stutz i wonder if they want a fourth that you yeah, I would use. think so. And, and may, maybe it's not necessarily a fourth the, the
1: Fourth where you're not having to use a true freshman in Connor Lewis. Yeah,
2: and, and I don't know if the, the priority
1: is oh, we need a guard who is better than the current three options that are. they need. No, I think I think that yeah, I think you're right. I mean, of course, if they can find one that's better, oh. that'd be great. Oh, sure. But, but if th- they find one that there's not a big drop off that could give them experience depth and it would and you know what and if it's now that's different from what they're looking for at receiver agreed at receiver agreed. if they can find somebody who is a playmaker can be a go-to receiver uh, of course everybody in the country would love one of those but auburn very much in the market for that oh
2: i, I don't think at receiver they're in the market for someone that would represent uh, he, he's he's position he's position no, depth, but he's not they, a drop. No, they off. don't. They don't want. He's got potential. People, they don't want that. And I don't want to upset because I know I know this is when uh, Tex gets mad at me when I talk about Auburn looking for depth in the transfer portal, right? Looking for someone who's okay being okay with is that being, Him right there, no. okay with no, being a backup? Saying. No, I'm not. And I'm not saying that Auburn's like I think at guard Auburn has. A couple of starting options right now. You'd like to add another starting option, and preferably it'd be somebody mm-hmm. with. But but it, I think Auburn would, and also at guard, I think Auburn would conceivably take somebody who has no years of eligibility left. Like Auburn would take a because, like you just said, they have some freshmen coming down the pike, and 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 they've they've recruited, uh, they they are recruiting well in the high school ranks on the offensive line. Maybe that interior lineman we're talking about, Bill, could be a guy. In his final year of eligibility, or, or could be someone who's uh, you know a, a very experienced college football player. Like we'll see what's out there, but yeah, that, that I think they they'd like to add numbers. They'd like to add another a, an, another candidate, you know, another starting caliber player there at guard on top of the three that they seem to have right now. And they'd prefer for the you know the fourth guy not to be a a, a true freshman at receiver. Feels like if they're adding somebody. It's somebody who would project as a starter right now, assuming that guy's out there in the portal.
5: Yeah.
1: and, and Easier said than done. You we know, don't going know. Out, yeah, we, going we, out and finding an ace haven't receiver. haven't seen anybody like that yet, but, I mean, I would imagine that whoever it is is going to finish up wherever. You know, if there is one, it'll be somebody who'll go ahead and finish up. It could be a player maybe that has a spectacular spring game somewhere uh, and decides, I want to play in the SEC or, you know, something like that. So, um, so it, it'll be interesting, but I, again, I think it's good for it's that's advantageous. One have, that, that's one where I have no names. Either. Yeah, I don't. Like I have no leads. You know, as
2: as a you know, we when when people talk about well, who could Auburn be looking at a quarterback or who could be Auburn? You know, when when Auburn was on the hunt for starting offensive lineman back, and it's like, oh yeah, well, there are some guys that project. You can you can you can connect the dots between uh, Dylan Wade and Philip Montgomery, or you can you can uh, you can think well, how would how would this player possibly, even Brian Battee, you, know, you know, Tampa guy, you know, maybe, maybe Cadillac, you know, there's two, whatever. No ideas at receiver as far as what, what Auburn could, could go and add in the portal. And, and part of that's because we don't know who's going to go into the portal from the receiver
1: position over the next couple of weeks. No, you're right. So uh, it'll be interesting. I'm glad, sort of glad that it's starting uh, April 15th. So, um, so, so that's coming up too. Again, 8 a tomorrow. We'll look at all the positions. We'll let you hear some more audio. We'll talk about it. We'd love to get your thoughts as to, you know, what you're excited about, what you're concerned about for the upcoming football season. We'll get to our final break of hour number one. Stick with us here
0: on the Friday Drive. Let's get back to the drive. The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll-free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com.
1: Welcome back into The Drive here on this Friday afternoon. We're about um, 15, 20 minutes away from... Game two of the Auburn Texas A&M doubleheader, which was rescheduled from single games tonight and tomorrow because of the threat of rain tomorrow. Auburn winning the opener, ten nine, a, a wild one back and forth. You mentioned it. I mean, eight runs in the first inning, three for Texas A&M. Auburn came back with a five spot. Auburn added three more in the third to make it eight to three. Boy, that's the uh, that's the same that's the same score that Auburn led by last weekend down in Gainesville, uh, but A&M came back two in the fourth to make it 8-5. Auburn scores a run bottom of the fifth, make it 9-5. A&M, a two-run homer, cut it to 9-7. Then Auburn made it ten seven in the bottom of the sixth, and nothing else until the top of the ninth when it really got dicey as uh, Auburn finally uh, after allowing two runs and walking three more batters to give up thirteen walks in the game, are able to get out with a ten to nine win.
2: And now a big rubber match between mm-hmm. the two. Can remember if you uh, if you had tickets to either tonight's game or tomorrow's game, you can get in to game three in the Auburn Texas A and M series tonight as. Uh, as they're they're not going to be able to play baseball
1: tomorrow looks like the weather could co cool up i mean uh, tomorrow the next couple of hours bill you know i think i think we could have oh i think there's a really good chance they're going to get this ball game yeah. man i mean there's a there's a decent chance or like a 50/50 chance of rain for about an hour, but it looks like until late night tonight, things will be fine. There, there could be there could be some ugly looking clouds at the end of
2: the game, but I think you could be overall uh, you know able to play it and and play it with the temperature dropping. It could be a uh, could be a nice night at the ballpark if you're able to go. Yeah, it's going to be in the 50s after being you know mid
1: 80s during the day.
2: And like we were saying, if you uh, yeah if you have tickets to uh, tomorrow's game or you had tickets uh, to, uh, to game two in the series. Uh, they're, they're going to let you in and, uh, and, and hopefully uh, now, now there's what there could be, uh, there could be somebody in your
1: seats, right. But, uh, you know, everybody, everybody well, figured, that's true. Just, uh, I mean, you know, whatever. Make do. A row, I do I don't, a I don't have a problem. If, if I get, if I get to a game, a baseball game and somebody's in our exact seats, if there's seats around, I'll go sit there. I, I'm not one that's going to try to shoo you out of my seats, I used especially. The, I, used, I used the Bill Cameron seats last night. I was going to say, well, I, I sent those seats to you. That's so right. That's, that's that's you know, you had those. seats. You were seats. aware. What bothers me is people that that get to games late. I'm talking halfway, midway through the first half in basketball, or the third or fourth inning, and then expect to have their seats. If you're not there when it gets started, just. Find the best available I third,
2: seats. I don't know, maybe maybe it's the Los Angeles in me where I'm okay with third inning. But I think maybe, maybe after that. Like I feel like once the once the, the is over. Good seats just stay vacant. I know. Until but tra- the third inning. Traffic being what it is, you know, maybe you're
1: forty. This ain't minutes, LA, but maybe, traffic maybe, can maybe be a pain. Maybe you're right. forty
2: five minutes late to the game. Who knows? Uh, but it's uh, uh no, it, it, it's um, it's 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 great that after after what the weather looked like for much of the week, Bill. It would be great if they could actually get the series played and completed. and And that seems like, you know, it would take a, a doubleheader today, but it looks like that might be what they were able to do. Speaking of the weather, we mentioned it earlier. Play suspended at the uh, at, at the Masters uh, about uh, about forty five minutes before we went on the air. Uh, they suspended play for the rest of the
1: mm-hmm. day. Uh, you're also you had it, Well, it wasn't just yeah. weather. You had a couple of trees, a couple of pine trees fall. That's right. Uh, three trees were blown over to the left
2: of the number seventeen hole by the wind. Uh, no injuries uh, reported. Augusta uh, just put out a statement in the last 10 minutes or so uh, that they can confirm that there are no injuries. Uh, The safety and well-being of everyone attending the Masters Tournament will always be the top priority of the club, which will continue to closely monitor weather today and through the tournament. The second round has been officially suspended. Play will resume tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. Ticket gates will open at 7 a.m. Eastern. As scheduled, a uh, yeah, really scary. And and uh, Bill, have you seen the video? Of no, the, I have not. Oh, you want you want to react to it live as I as I show it to you here on my. So here's here's Bill. Uh, I read the
1: comments from some. I read the comments from from some folks saying if the wind had been a little different, uh, they probably wouldn't be there talking about it. Right. So so there are some golfers and uh, and
2: and here, Bill, t- take a take a look. See here is I'm gonna I'm gonna show the show the video
1: of the. Let's see here, Bill. You're seeing. Yeah, Carter was describing it, saying they zoom out and cut over, and oh, there they come. Yeah, and and good unison. That was a nice synchronized tree falling. Right, and you see how I mean how close those trees land. Oh, big, yeah, big
2: big trees, and they land tall, tall pines, really close yep. to a couple of the patrons. And how about there's also a uh, a tent with a couple of cameramen mm-hmm. in it, and the and the tree lands pretty close to that as well. So I mean, it is a uh, fortuitous uh, occasion there at Augusta that that no one is injured uh, from that and play suspended the rest of the day. Brooks Kepka leading the Masters after two rounds, 12 under.
1: Three-shot lead, yes, over John Rahm. We'll get to our top-of-the-hour break. We've got some audio that we, can, uh, that we haven't run from throughout the spring. We'd love to hear from you. Anything you want to talk about sports-wise at hour number two of the Friday Drive.
0: ESPN 1067, WGZZ HD3 Waverly, and W294AR Auburn Opelika.
2: This is SportsCenter.
3: I'm Doug Brown. The second round of the Masters is suspended for the day by weather and scary moments at Augusta National. As two huge pine trees came down near the 17th tee, there were no injuries Brooks Kepka holds the lead at 12 under, three ahead of John Rahm, four ahead of reigning U.S. amateur champion Sam Bennett. Tiger Woods is two over right on the projected cut line, trying for what would be his record-tying 23rd straight Masters cut. Mavericks guard Kyrie Irving and four of his teammates will sit out tonight's game against the Bulls. ESPN's Brian Windhorst on what the team might offer Irving to stay in town. I do think the Dallas Mavericks are prepared to offer Kyrie Irving a maximum salary, but I'm not so sure they're willing to offer him maximum years. Mm which would be five years, $270 million. Ryan Windhorst on KJ and Max. Dallas needs to win its last two games and get help to get into the play-in tournament. Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Bucks is out for tonight's game against the Grizzlies with a sore right knee.
0: ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier to help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1 800 Progressive. Live from Auburn, the sports capital of Alabama, this is The Drive. Good Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of the drive, call 334 321 1390. Toll free at 888 382 7502 or email the drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome into
1: hour number two of the Friday Drive. Bill and Dan drew at the controls. A day weekend, Easter weekend. Happy Good Friday, everyone. It's uh, It's nice weather right now. Doesn't look like that's going to be the case tomorrow, but it looks like by, uh, by Easter. The weather should be uh, much, much better, a little cooler. But uh, last time I looked, uh, something like a 15-20% chance of rain on Sunday. Tomorrow, that's a different story. Good chance of rain all day long. That's why baseball playing a doubleheader today. Uh, that's why the Frank Thomas uh, ceremony has been moved inside uh, because just there's a very good chance that if you're outside, you're going to get wet tomorrow.
2: Oh, certainly, and and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, the a day ceremony and and game itself can can go off without a hitch. But Auburn preparing for the uh, f- for bad weather, and I think if you're if you're going to go to Jordan Hare Stadium tomorrow, you should also make whatever necessary preparations you need to. What is that? Ponchos, umbrellas. Right. Yep plastic bags for the electronics you know whatever you need to do be ready for the uh for, for the chance that uh, that it could be uh it, it could be a little bit rainy uh yeah more, more than a little bit rainy more than tomorrow. more than a little i, I would I would and, think and unfortunately that could lead that could lead to some folks who were going to come to Auburn uh deciding to stay home right I mean that, that's that's oh, I think that's definitely
1: going to be yeah. the case I mean and, and it's a shame we were, we we're really uh, expecting a big crowd and a lively crowd to come. And and I think the format what Auburn's going to do tomorrow probably is a little different than what was the initial plan. I mean, I think it was still going to be the spot the defense a certain number of points and it's twenty four. I think they would. I don't think the plan was initially just sixty minutes with a running clock. I think there was going to be uh, at least a lengthy period, forty five minutes, at least a break, and then something like that again which would be more opportunities for more players but i think right now it's just because of the weather they want to go ahead and and uh you know set up some certain situations get things done and you know, go see if they can wrap up spring on a strong note. Couple couple uh, pieces of
2: information regarding the baseball game that's about to begin on campus. Frank Thomas threw out the first pitch. A little ceremony. Oh, that's cool. First pitch for uh, for Frank Thomas there before uh, before game three gets his statue unveiled uh, tomorrow morning. Uh, lineup changes for this game, Bill. I don't know if you've seen. Uh, no, I haven't uh, seen Auburn's the lineup. Going with Auburn uh, moving uh, uh, moving Ike Irish to catcher. He was the DH in Game 1. He's going to catch. And Mike Bello is going to uh, DH in Game 2. He's going to hit 8th uh, where uh, Carter Wright was hitting in Game 2. So Auburn going with, uh, with, with Ike Irish behind the plate for the rubber match. 1-1. Uh, the series between Auburn and Texas A&M after Auburn held off A&M ten uh, nine in uh, game two earlier today.
1: We mentioned the uh, Frank Thomas uh, induction or or the the ceremony um, will be indoors. It'll be on the third floor of the Tiger Walk Club at ten a.m. and the uh, the College Vault pop up shop is going to be making its first appearance at Plainsman Park. It's open today. It's yeah, like, I think I think you can still get over there. I don't know what They're, the hours are on it, but they, it says they are. Uh, they're They're open today through the end of the game and open again tomorrow at, at night a, a
2: couple, couple of a uh, couple of items that caught my interest in the pop up shop let me let me see what uh if I can find a uh, what, what I thought was some hey, now check, check this out bill we've got among the among the items in the Plainsman park pop up shop we've got the old school looking auburn Frank Thomas the right the yeah, white a lot
1: auburn. of Frank Thomas uh, memorabilia or Frank Thomas. Apparel. How about the sky blue Auburn baseball hat with yeah. the with,
2: with the orange with the orange block font, which uh, w- which I thought was uh, was was was, was a, I, I thought that was a, a sharp looking item among the yeah, things. I'm trying that got to there. remember.
1: I don't know that I could.
2: I don't know that I recall seeing that being worn. You know, someone shared a picture earlier today of of Auburn in the did, was light light blue would have been. I mean, you got to go back to the 80s, right, for Auburn baseball in yeah. In, in light blue, but, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, there's, and, and I saw a little bit of a crowd around the, the pop-up shop earlier
1: today, but, yeah, I would encourage folks to uh, to check that out if they if they get the chance. Well, and uh, speaking of baseball, it'll be getting underway here shortly. We'll keep you updated on that. Auburn looking for the series win and the doubleheader sweep. Again, 8-8 coming up tomorrow. You want to, uh... Um uh, run, sort of run through positions. We can. I Bill thought we Cam- could do Bill that. Cameron depth chart recap. Yeah, well, we can just sort of talk about who we've, you know, some of the guys that we've seen this spring and, and how things seem to have gone. Uh, we'll we'll do more of that Monday. Oh, and by the way, Monday. We're at Franklin Tire. Franklin Tire. We will. I imagine Brian
2: Matthews should be back with us on a Monday. Yeah, we're going to talk with Brian Matthews, who's been un- unable to uh,
1: to hang out with us through uh, through much of spring practice because there have been uh, every Monday has been a, a meeting with Coach Freeze, and then an hour or so of a. Viewing opportunity for us at practice, right? So it's uh it's going to be great to talk with
2: Brian about everything that's developed since uh, spring practice got going. What's uh you know let, let's let's let's
1: run through the offense
2: a little bit, as I know people sure. Will be excited. I mean,
1: all right. Um, well, let's go ahead and start with quarterback because I mean that's what everybody's talking about. It's it's been interesting because throughout the spring we have seen each of the three scholarship quarterbacks running with the number one group. Started out this spring with TJ Finley running. Number one, uh Robbie Ashford was second, then then Holden Gurner uh third. By the third week, Robbie Ashford had moved to the top, it appeared. We'd go out and he would be the first one out and running with the ones there, and we heard about how well he was performing. Uh, you know, folks were saying he'd had maybe his best day of practice that he'd had at Auburn a couple of Mondays ago. But then this past Monday it was Holden Gurner uh, as the number one after, uh, not, well, actually not this Monday, uh, Monday week ago, after that first scrimmage on Friday. And uh, that, that was probably some of the, the biggest buzz that came from the quarterbacks because Holden had just sort of been, well, he's he's the freshman who is, you know, watching the, the two more experienced guys battle. But Holden, I think, showing that he is a legitimate candidate for the job, but I thought it was really interesting that by this week, Robbie Ashford back on top again. Robbie was battling some shoulder soreness. Apparently that had cleared up. But uh, it, it sounds as though he is heading into the A-Day game at the top of the pack. Still not a finished product, nor are any of the the three. Hugh Freeze is still looking for progression. But I think that uh, Robbie has come a long way, since the start of spring. Yeah, I mean, and there's, there's, a, there's a sentimental
2: element to this. You get the feeling that a lot of Auburn fans are rooting for Robbie to keep the job. Even, uh, you know, the, the respect that Robbie has among his teammates has come through when they talk to the media. So you know, I think it's a uh, it's a feel-good story if Robbie can hold off competition and and win this job and improve on his first year as Auburn quarterback last year. But there are two other candidates in that room uh, that would love to have their own story uh, of being Auburn's quarterback and, and having a, a successful 2023. And like we were saying, uh, there's, there's also the chance that Auburn goes out and adds to that room
1: uh, before the start of the 2023 season. Yeah. You see uh what do you got for Wh- Whitman sent us a picture of uh Joe Beckwith in a powder okay, blue Okay, There we uni. go, yeah. And I said, Yeah, but I don't remember the powder blue hat. I do remember those unis. I don't you know what I believe. I was I was doing I was doing the play by play back then.
2: I by believe the way. my research says that Auburn did not wear the hat that color. That was the Yeah, the, that's what that, I said.
1: I didn't the, recall yeah. ever so, seeing Auburn wearing
2: that hat. So, so the hat. It's fe- a cool. It's a cool cap. Well, the, the hat features the logo that the baseball team wore in those powder right. blues, you know, right? And end of the seventies, beginning of the eighties, right? Haven't really featured them since Did it a lot, the 80s. yeah,
1: mid mid to late seventies
2: during the disco days. For some reason, I don't know why, but I'm, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer. Justin Ferguson has gotten the ball rolling on this too. I think if you've got blue in your color scheme, you can have a powder blue alternate. I know, you know, not not all the time or anything like that, but I think if you've got, well, heck, there there are schools that have no
1: blue in their color scheme that wear blue. That, that fit, yeah. That, that find
2: a way to do it, yeah. I, I, and I, you know, less less popular. I think if you've got a red in your color scheme, you can have a pink alternate if you want to, you know, for different sports and stuff like that. But, but the uh, no, that, that's a, a among the things that pop up shop is a yeah, sort of a a, a hat referencing Auburn's old right. powder blue uh, baseball uniforms. All
1: right, um, we'll, we'll, we'll hit running backs, and then we'll get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. At Running back, it's Jarquez Hunter, and it, I mean he is the man. Uh, Hugh Freeze has raved about him, saying he's the best he's ever coached. We've heard nothing but uh, uh, what a great spring Jarquez is having. But Brian Batty has caught their eyes as well. I mean, his ability, his uh, elusiveness, players and coaches alike have said he's very difficult to tackle. I know I asked this earlier this week. What what does Auburn list Brian
2: Batty at officially? Five seven one sixty five. Right, which is I mean that, that is an under that's close. That
1: an undersized yep. uh running back. But he knows how to use that yeah. size though. He he works well sort of hiding behind big guys and then just seems to pop out and make big plays. Damari Alston has had a good spring as well, and I mentioned Sean Jackson yesterday as a uh, proven short yardage guy. They all have shown the ability to catch the ball as well. Brian Batte averaged seven yards of carry last
2: year for yeah. South Florida. I mean, when when you're if if you're telling me you're 165 pounds and you're averaging south and and not not in ten carries, 176 carries for for nearly 1,200 yards right last season, averaging just under seven yards per carry for the South Florida Bulls who play. Pretty tough schedule in in the mid major ranks in college football. That tells me this guy is not, uh, you know, he, he's he's not miscast as a one hundred and no, sixty five. I, I can't back. wait to
1: see him returning kicks. I too. can't, I can't wait to see how explosive this guy can be. All right, three three four three two one thirteen ninety. We'll continue looking at positions, sort of letting you know how things have gone this spring and and who stands where on the depth chart. But we'll get to the Kia of, of Auburn hotline and Yellowhammer is up first. Hey, Yellowhammer.
4: Hey, afternoon. Uh, well, a few weeks ago, I recall hearing you talk about Hugh Freeze and the quarterback saying that he valued accuracy uh, above maybe all else. And so do you have any, uh, you know, I don't know, information or observation or, or hints as to who's maybe the most accurate?
1: <laughs> Pro- I would say Holden Gurner's is probably the most accurate of the three.
2: Um, although I think it's a good sign if Hugh Freeze values accuracy the way he says he does it's a good sign that Robbie Ashford is making progress and still in the mix because it would suggest that
1: Robbie has improved on his accuracy since and, last and one of on. the things Jason Caldwell was talking about that, that Hugh Freeze t- mentioned was his footwork how his footwork has improved and that goes a long way to you know dropping putting shifting weight and and having the weight on the right foot when you deliver the ball. I mean, he's got a strong arm, but if you're off balance, you know, the ball can either sink or sail. Uh, so I, I think that is something. He's looked much better throwing the ball when we've had a chance to be out there this spring.
4: Okay, well, uh, I guess still up in the air a little bit. Though.
1: Oh, yeah, very, very much so. I mean, I think um, I, I'd be surprised if uh, there were a starting quarterback named – before the uh first before the the week of the first game
4: it's hard to think that we'd really know much of anything from last year because everybody was operating behind a, a substandard offensive line and really substandard receivers so
1: well and uh, you you it, had uh, you had just i mean now this is more of a read type thing the quarterback and receivers are supposed to read the defense and plays can adjust based on the coverage and um, what what the defense is doing, and that's completely different than what the idea was a year ago. So the quarterbacks and receivers have had to, you know, retrain themselves on you know what's expected of them on every single play.
4: So that's during the play. Uh, yes, shift. that's right. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, there could a, be a lot of
1: things where if, if things start going one way and the, and the defensive back uh, presses play some tight, then the receiver might go a certain way or know to break it off and head in a certain direction, and the quarterback should know that as well because that's how you get some huge plays that appear to be sort of broken when you wonder, how did the quarterback know? It's because you're trained that if you see this and – the uh, the the defenders come up in a certain way. You you know you, you make that corresponding move, and the quarterback anticipates that and throws the ball where you're supposed to be.
4: That'd be tough because a lot of that's very
1: instantaneous. Absolutely, uh, it is.
4: Uh, whew, okay, well, I'm glad.
1: That's why it's tough. That can, that's why it's tough to be. It, it takes a lot to be a starting quarterback at, at this level.
4: Yeah. Okay. Well, enjoy it. Thanks.
1: Appreciate the call. Yellowhammer three <laughs> three four. 3 1, 13 90 We talked about receivers, and it's been interesting. We have not seen an awful lot of, uh, as a matter of fact, I don't know that I've seen a four-wide set while we've been out there this fall. Um, the receivers that we that appear to be the, the ones that are running the most with the ones are Javarius Johnson, Camden Brown when he's been healthy, and Nick Mardner. And th- those are the three, and, it- and it's uh, interesting. I mean, um, Hugh Freeze calls his receivers one, two, three, and four, with one and four being the outside, two and three being the inside. Um, but uh, just trying to figure where receivers are, that's been more difficult this spring. Um, at one of the outside spots, uh, you know, we've seen Camden Brown and Nick Mardner really be your-, your outside receivers, even though we see a lot of Rivaldo Fairweather, the tight end, lining up, Um, as a receiver as well. The other outside guys uh, are Landon King and I believe Malcolm Johnson was before he got hurt. And once he got hurt, Coy Moore has worked both inside and out. So I've seen him more out um, on the outside lately than in. So I would say right now it looks like Camden Brown and Nick Mardner with uh, Landon King and Coy Moore as uh, the guys behind them with Malcolm Johnson out with the uh, uh, clavicle injury. yeah, You're, <clears throat> and, when, and, and among the... Well, you were going to get into tight ends? Well, yeah, I was yeah, about to get the well, inside. Then, then inside, then talk about that, yeah. inside guys, Javarius Johnson and Jay Fair has had a really good really good spring. He's been mentioned quite a bit. The other two guys inside, uh, Tavares uh, uh, Dawson and Amari Kelly. Yeah, tight end, Rivaldo has been a... Uh, I mean, he, he's been just a shining... Star. I yeah, mean, I
2: really want to see between the, the players that weren't on last year's team of the pass catchers. You're talking about Rivaldo, Marder, Nick, Nick Marder would, jo- would 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 be in that category. Uh, there, there's also that's Land- it. The, the, well, I mean,
1: Landon King was barely on, well, on last year. I mean, he was he was there. He had he had a good a day last yeah, year.
2: Yeah, but Landon King and Jake Dawson weren't on the team at the end of last season. They were expressing right. interest in going into the portal. But then you've you've also got the players that that were out there throughout. I mean. Uh, Javarius Johnson is. I mean, he's. I hate describing athletes as underrated because who's rating them?
1: He is consistent. I'll tell you, that's what he is. He catches the ball. He gets open. He catches the ball. Get him the ball. A
2: guy I would want on my team. You know, every every single season, if possible, and someone who, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think could have. If Auburn can iron out quarterback issues. I don't know if there's a player on the team that figures to benefit more from that than Javarius Johnson because that's true. That, that's that's a guy who you know see, seemingly has the physical tools can get open and and is just is waiting to is, is waiting for an opportunity to capitalize but you know for 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 the better part of I mean really since since Bo Nix's injury, Auburn has been figuring things out at quarterback for for a year and a half, and, and it's limited uh, how effective Javarius can be.
1: Auburn, uh, the other guys at tight end, man, what a great room Auburn has there at tight end with Tyler Fromm and Luke Deal. Um, you know, they have three seniors, Fromm, Deal, and Brandon Frazier. And then uh, Michael Riley-Ducker is a very talented young player as well. But, uh, but you know, it's... Uh, it, how do you you know, how do you get multiple tight ends on the field and still keep a lot of playmakers in? It helps when you've got a Rivaldo Fairweather. All right, so that's a look at the skilled players on I, offense. I just, I just slid bill the news. Yeah, well I was just clicking on the lineup and, and Auburn pitchers, uh it's Tommy Sheehan getting the start and he's already uh looks like walked in a run as uh, we're we're in the um what the, the We're top the, the w- top top, of the top one and a single and three walks in Texas A and M on the board. He also has he, he struck out a pair, uh, but golly, it's just the, the lack of control what, is just
2: two two uh, RBI two RBI single for A and M. So three. Uh, three so they RBI. got
1: three in the top of the first and in game one. They've already gotten three in tre- the top of the first here in game two. And Trevor Horn is coming in for Tommy Sheehan. Tommy Sheehan does not finish the first, so that now means in the last seven SEC games, Auburn pitchers have not combined for 21 innings they're averaging fewer than three innings per start over seven conference games let's get to our first break specter uh we're, we're behind you'll have plenty of time when we come back here on the friday drive
0: You're live on The Drive. (laughs) The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. And online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email us at thedrive at ESPNAU.com.
1: Welcome back into the drive here on this Friday afternoon, 524, and let's get to the Kia of Auburn hotline. And Spector is next. Hey, Specter.
5: Hey. Uh, I went to Auburn undercover, and uh, I was looking for that running back that y'all were talking about a while ago. It was the name Batiste?
2: Batiste, B-A-T-T-I-E.
5: Well, anyway, I went to undercover, and they still have the 22 roster. Up.
1: Huh, they have not updated to the 23? I thought some no. yeah I thought some somewhere on there I'd seen it but yeah they may have yeah, just I may have just posted to, it in a in a message or something.
5: Yeah, I tried to refresh it and everything. And kept getting Tank take up there and everything. So anyway, uh so this guy is 57 you said, right?
1: Yeah, he's he's uh, obviously a little scat back, but I mean he's been an all-American, he's been an all-American as a kick returner. Um our our new offensive coordinator knows him pretty well. While well, he was the head coach there at Tulsa, they played against him, and uh, he ran for I think about 150 yards against them. He's um, you know he's obviously not going to be an every down back at Auburn, but I think he'll very much remind you of uh, the the Ontario McCaleb, something like that. I mean, very elusive, just well, a, you know, a super quick guy.
5: You know, Lionel James was five six.
1: That's exactly right.
5: So you know he's still got hope out there. I mean, I think he'd be a good back. I mean, I don't think his height's gonna matter. Like you say, he's gonna be so small he'd be darting in and out of tackles.
2: Well, and if Auburn were if Auburn were going into twenty twenty three expecting to run a system where they were gonna have two tight ends and a fullback, and you know, and, and lots of lots of you know the quarterback under center, you know if this were if this were old school power football, I would question where a one hundred sixty five pound running back fits in. But if you remember when Tim Tebow was the quarterback at Florida, like those Urban Meyer systems, Tim Tebow often had running backs that were under 180 pounds standing next to him because they were home run threats. Will Demps and Chris Rainey and guys like that, I mean, it it can be effective... If you have a spread offense and, and you're opening things up, you know they're not going to have to break a lot of tackles. They could uh, they, they could find a seam and, and make a big play. Bill mentioned Ontario Mcaleb, uh, who was able to succeed uh, in that kind of offense at, at Auburn. I think that's that that's what Hugh Freeze is imagining with a, a player like Brian Batie, especially considering what else Auburn has on offense. Yeah, well,
5: you know, I heard earlier today that. Uh... Auburn's got nine fives coming into this.
1: Yeah, five, five for uh, for the twenty class of twenty four, and then four for the class of twenty five.
5: Yeah, you know you know how I am about recruiting, right, Bill? I've been waiting for years for Auburn to start recruiting fives. And I hope it pans out. I mean, I know they're just visiting, but I hope it pans out. Yeah, for... if
1: you don't get them on campus, you don't
2: have a shot, right? And I not not to say anything about previous coaches, but I think Hugh Freeze has a a full understanding of you're not going to be able to win the games that Auburn fans prioritize the most if you're not competitive for those kind of recruits.
5: Absolutely. I've been saying that for years. We've just been a mediocre team at best, and we have that every now and then have that lucky championship come in one, once every 10 years. Uh, you know, Hugh Freeze, I've said this before and I guess I'll say it again. Until I see something other than, you know, he was actually best friends with Gus Malzahn. And Gus, Gus came in at Auburn his first year and went to the national championship. And, and then all of a sudden from that point on, it just started gradually going downhill. But I don't see that with freeze. I don't think he's going to take us to the national championship, but I think he'll gradually take Auburn up. So with that being said, you know, I hope he turns out to be a good coach for us.
1: I'll tell you one thing that Hugh Freeze uh, doesn't want to do, and that's take his time trying to get you know, better. He's doing everything he can to improve this roster as quickly as possible. Yeah, and, and I think he's made a lot
2: of the right moves. I mean, I still – you mentioned Gus Malzahn, specter and, and I still think it's – with with Gus Malzahn there was a very clear difference between the years when Gus Malzahn had you know something you could you could really and and there are exceptions to this but it seemed like Gus Malzahn when he had a quarterback he believed in had one kind of team and when Gus Malzahn was battling or trying to trying to find an identity at quarterback he had a different team Gus Malzahn's three best teams if if you include his his time as offensive coordinator you know that w- one of the common themes is having stability and production at the quarterback position. If Hugh Freeze can find that, either with a quarterback on the team right now or by going outside the program and finding one, you know, I think he's got. You know, he's, he's checked almost every box, but I think he's made a lot of the right moves since taking the job for sure. But I don't know if we're going to see
5: that much at all.
2: On Saturday, no, I, I think they might be looking to, between the rain. No, it's going to
1: be pretty vanilla, yeah. and then then the rain is going to shorten it even more. So, you know, and, and maybe
2: even despite a vanilla approach, you know, a player makes a play that gets people buzzing. You know, I think you're, you're going to see
1: some guys hitting. I, I want to see the the battle there in the trenches is what I want to watch tomorrow.
5: Absolutely, I want to see that offensive defensive line mm-hmm. but heads. Okay, guys. Well, y'all have a nice weekend.
1: Appreciate it, Specter. You too. We'll get to our bottom of the hour break. When we get when we come back and we get a chance, we'll run some Philip Montgomery. We've been talking about the Auburn offense. We'll let you hear from the head man of the Auburn offense when we come back here in the final half hour of the Friday drive.
0: Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390. Toll free at 888-382-7502. Or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com. Welcome back into The
1: Drive here on this Friday afternoon. Bill and Dan with Drew at the controls. We'll uh, sort of continue looking at the We can look more at the depth chart. I I will tell you. I mean, we've talked a lot about the offensive line, and the the newcomers have really been impressive. Dylan Wade at left tackle, Gunnar Britton at the right tackle, and Avery Jones at center. And we've mentioned the three guards that have been battling. I mean, it's Jeremiah Wright, who's been wearing the orange no that yellow no contact jersey, along with Tate Johnson and Cam Stutz those you know from those 3 I think you'll get your two starters Connor Lou's gotten a good bit of look at guard but he's the backup center and really I'd say your your primary players are the three guards we mentioned the uh, the two uh, the two tackles and center that are transfers then Azavian Miller the junior college transfer tackle and Connor Lou the true freshman offensive lineman and that gives them 8 and I think that uh they'd like to have nine or ten that's why auburn's in the market looking for another offensive lineman or two that's pretty much a look at your offense we thought we'd let you hear some of the comments from auburn's offensive coordinator philip montgomery as he met with media a little earlier this month how do you felt like the the development
3: of the the offense as a whole has gone i guess two-thirds of the way through spring
6: yeah you know i, I think we're, we're making some strides obviously we still got a long ways to go um you know, when you start implementing something that is um, completely new, completely different than what kind of has been the norm um, from around here, it takes a little bit more time. And so, you know, we just wanted to make sure we're getting our foundations right uh, and being able to build and add to that as the time comes. You know, uh, really didn't want to rush through the process of it. We want to be. We don't want to be the 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 jack-of-all-trades in the master of none so uh, I think we've done a good job of kind of pacing ourselves uh, through a little bit about uh, on them a little bit early and then we kind of scaled some things back and then started really kind of trying to be really precise about how we added and what we added as we move forward.
2: We've heard a little bit about
4: RPO maybe slowing progression whether it's with the quarterbacks or the receivers in terms of learning how that needs to work is that fair assessment?
2: Yeah
6: I think that's fair I mean that's one of the things we kind of scaled back and just trying to make sure that you know as you start teaching this RPO type game uh, you got to make sure that we understand coverages, we understand where things are happening, our eyes are in the right spot and understanding how to adapt routes versus certain looks and being able to take advantage of what you're getting so you know for us I think being able to kind of pulled the reins back a little bit on that end of it and, and really focusing in on making sure quarterback-wise we're getting our eyes in the right spot and being able to determine what's going to make me do something or not going to make me do something. And then we'll continue to keep generating and working off of that.
5: so you came here, you guys had seven offensive linemen and only one returning
6: starter. Where do you see the nine guys you brought in and how they meshed in? You know, offensive line, I think it's been a real positive surprise throughout the spring. I I think the guys that we've been able to add to that room have have made an impact. Um, I think we're more athletic than what we've been. I think those guys are moving well. I think they understand what we're doing up front. Uh, Love the way they're approaching practice every day. I think that has been one of our strong suits throughout uh, spring ball. And so we got to continue to keep doing that. Obviously, we're, you know, two thirds of the way through it. And, uh, you know, those guys, uh, we've added a little bit more to them. Those guys have made those adjustments. We want to see them continue to keep raising the bar every day, continue to keep finishing blocks and, and understanding what that's going to generate for us later.
5: And how much does it add? You um, you brought one of your own guys with you.
6: Yeah, I think Dylan's done a nice job as well as those other guys. You know, And, and I think those guys are really starting to mesh as a unit. I think Coach Thornton's done a great job with them uh, right now. Those guys, to me, are still our strength, and that's where you want it to be, in my opinion. As you start building an offense or you're building a team, it all starts in the trenches, and uh, those guys gelling and coming together, getting on the same page, uh, it's going to be a positive move for us.
3: Was it a surprise to have Tate Johnson back out there a week ago? He was saying that he was probably going to miss the rest of the spring. Yesterday, we saw him running with that first unit with the line again.
6: No, it's great to have him back. I mean, he provides such great leadership. You know, he's a guy that uh, works extremely hard, uh, takes a lot of pride about his work and, and the way he approaches things. And so having him back uh, is just kind of a, a bolt in the arm for us. And we, uh, I know he's still going to be some limited in what he can do right now, but just having him back in the mix is, uh, is a positive thing for us right now.
1: How valuable has is, is Avery been coming
6: in and having that veteran presence in the middle, especially when you're learning systems? Yeah, you know, I think with him, he's, he's taking a lot of snaps, right? And so uh, he's not being surprised by a lot of the different looks and things that we're getting right now from our defense, which has been great. And so uh, a guy that is, uh can handle those duties, can make a lot of calls, Uh, as a quarterback getting good snaps and knowing where those things are going to be and especially in the game that we want to play in the RPO system, uh, you know, you start spraying snaps all over the place and then, you know, that's going to affect the way you are able to run your offense. So, uh, I think his veteran presence in there has been really significant and uh, will continue to be that way.
2: You talked about the RPO and how important that is for the quarterbacks. What are some of of the checkpoints that you're kind of looking at and what's, what's the importance
3: of being patient? with them right now what are you kind of looking to, to see from them by the end of the spring
6: yeah you know it's it's new to all of them and uh, there's there's a <laughs> lot of different elements and in, in variations of things that you've got to really concentrate on and, and work through you know number one is is putting our eyes in the right spot and putting our eyes on the right guy and understanding what the defense is trying to do or take away from you or where they're trying to add uh, but then you know the path that you're setting for the back um, you know, our footwork, if we're starting to pull the football and we want to throw it, all of those things come into play in this. And so that's all going to happen in a matter of that, that fast. And so being able to correlate those things, getting back to base after I get into this ride position and getting my feet back on platform and being able to be in a position uh, to be accurate with the football and release it in a timely manner. It's not one of those things you're going to be able to sit back there and pat the football. Uh, you got to come up and be decisive in your decision and know where you're going with it. The importance of this is because once they get on the field, that RPO game is basically on them, isn't it? It is. Yes, it is. There's, there's a that's, it's the huge part of what you do, right? And and it's always that cat and mouse game that you're playing with the defense and and trying to figure out where can I take advantage or what are they giving up to to get to the point where they want to be. So, uh, it, it's a it's a give and take type system, and a lot of that goes on our quarterbacks, and and uh, that's. don't see that as pressure I see that most of the guys that play this position they want the ownership of that and now it's just uh, making sure that you're giving them enough reins, but you're not giving so much that you know you're always in that tussle back and forth and, and we're making good decisions with the football.
4: One of the things you said last week was that Ashford's I guess his game is kind of difficult to
2: appreciate in practice because you know you guys don't tackle in practice when he falls down you kind of stop the play so how do you kind of like look at that and I guess gauge what his speed would look like in it
6: a... well I mean there's some opportunities in there where yeah the whistle's being blown and, and, and that's part of spring ball and, and you know quarterbacks have got to understand that part right and sometimes it's frustrating especially when you're a guy like Robbie who has a lot of athletic ability to him and so when he breaks out of that pocket good things can really happen for us so uh you don't get to see that aspect or that element that's going to play into games uh throughout spring ball, so you have to be sure that you're looking at that in the proper way when you're starting to evaluate things and moving forward and so you know robbie is is a tremendous athlete and when things break down, boy, he can really make some some plays with his feet so uh we'll we'll continue to keep seeing that part of it and there's elements within our offense that are going to be able to allow him to use those things. It's just, uh, again, even in the quarterback run stuff, you're going to blow the whistle early and those guys are not going to get hit. And I think, oh, I think he probably would have got through that one or he would have made this guy miss and that guy just touches him well. Eh, you know, whether he really makes that tackle or not, we it's to be determined. Coach, can you talk about the tight ends, how
4: they're developing and how big a part of offense?
6: Yeah, <laughs> yeah do do? really, really been impressed with our tight ends here. I mean, all of those guys have added different layers to us. Uh, and to be able to uh, maneuver within different sets and so if you, if you say hey we're going to throw in 12 personnel right here you're thinking more heavy sets but being able to have the ability to be in 12 personnel but also be in more traditional or 11 and 10 type sets uh, is a huge advantage for us and so uh, I think we have the skill set in the end room to be able to uh, take advantage of that opportunity. We're starting to use some of that right now in what we're doing. Uh, Rivaldo had a nice catch yesterday, uh, kind of towards the end of practice. Uh, but Luke and, and Fromm and Fraser, all those guys have done an outstanding job of just understanding the offense, knowing what what it is, how it works, and how we're going to be able to use them in different ways. Are you a
5: two quarterback guy? Would you prefer a single starter? You
6: know, I'm going to let that to be determined on What our our personnel looks like as we we enter the season, right? I mean, I've had it to where we've been a a two-quarterback system I've had a one-quarterback system I've had, it's really one quarterback with a package set Uh, The other quarterback's got the full set Um, But we'll just have to wait and see uh, How spring kind of revolves a little bit And then you get into the summer, you get into fall camp And you kind of see where this thing is trending And we'll go from there you talk, you talk. about the wide receivers, and mm-hmm. you mentioned like they just haven't done much of this. And that RPO
1: game, how how much are you, is asked of the wide receivers because they have to read the defense too, and they have to make those decisions on the mark.
6: Yeah, they do. It's a, it's a lot of teaching for those guys right now, and they're in a, you know, with us and, and the way we set our spacing and and the way we're utilizing those guys and trying to utilize the field. I think it's different for them and understanding how to be able to work those things throughout, and so. Those guys, I think, are getting better and better. Uh, Every day is an opportunity to get better. Um, We still got a lot of growth to do in that room. That being said, uh, I don't think it's a lack of effort or um, a lack of want to. Is it one of those things right now where you got to get past the thinking stage where you can just play football and kind of turn it loose a little bit? I think that is absolutely part of it, right? And uh, if you're thinking a lot, you're not playing fast. And we have to be able to play fast and go attack some things. And I think our guys are getting a better feel of those type of opportunities and those type of systems for us.
4: What have you seen from from DeMoor, Austin and Brian and Maddie? Uh, I think we know what Jarquez is, but what, what are what are those guys bringing to the table as kind of changing pace or whatever their roles are going to be? What do you pace? Yeah, towards? you know,
6: I, I, I really like just like our tight end room, I, I really like our front and back room. Um, I think we've got guys in there that uh, all kind of feed off of each other. I think there's a good battle going on in there, yet I think they also understand, especially in the world of college football, it's probably going to be some version of a rotation that's going to happen in the backfield. I think Uh, being able to keep a guy healthy throughout the season uh, is important for us. So we know what Jarquez is going to bring and and how tough he is in the speed and the physicality that he brings and being able to catch the ball out of the backfield and do those things. But I think all of those guys are bringing that same thing to the table, and I've been uh, really impressed with that room. And uh, I think they got a chance to have a, a really special season when we all get it all going in the right direction, And uh, they're going to be a vital, vital, vital part of what we are. Well,
2: Batty, um, we saw what he did in the non-power five level
6: um, speed there. Do Do you, can you see his speed translating to the SEC? I do. The thing about Brian, and he's got, he's got really good speed. But the thing that you notice when you're around him, and even as a person that, that played against him, I mean, he is very, very difficult to tackle, right? And he does a great job of setting up blocks, being patient. He can really start, stop and start, uh, and create some spacing for himself, and then I'm just telling you, he hides behind things, and then all of a sudden, you see him just pop out, and good things are happening, so really, really impressed with what he's been able to do so far. He's not a big guy, but like, he seems intimidating in his old way. You know, he does, because you know you get him out in space, and all of a sudden, he's, he's this, and he's got that shape to him, and he can get you off balance, and if you notice, if you go back and truly watch his tapes, he, he doesn't take many just straight on hard hits and he's a guy that just understands how to maneuver himself and, and find ways to stay positive and finish forward
2: and lastly what are your memories of that game against him, well, against him.
6: <laughs> he was the guy we needed to stop for sure because um, <laughs> he's electric with the ball in his hand.
2: What, what Damari what are some unique things about Demari that you've seen
6: you know, I, I think he runs with a really—he's got really good vision. Uh, I think he's learning to be more patient within his running style, and then when he hits it, he's got a really good gear. I, I mean, I, I thought from the start of fall or this spring camp here, I think he's a guy that has probably surprised me a little bit more out of the back out of the running back room than anybody because. From day one, I thought he had a really good feel well, what we were trying to do in the run game. Was seeing it, setting up blocks, and uh, still had that physicality about him. But the speed that he brings, man, he can—he—he's got gears in there. You, you mentioned watching these guys. You just talked about tomorrow. Is there anybody else that you said that's—that's that's more than I saw in film? Is there anybody that you said, hey, man, this guy's—you know? You know, I—I I think a couple of those guys. I mean. Like, I think VAR has done a really good job of playing with speed. He's a guy that, again, as we get him into the system a little bit more, I think he's really jumped and, and done some nice things. I think Jay Fair has had some really uh, good looks throughout practice. He, you know, he kind of battled a hamstring there for a little while that slowed him and kind of working his way back through that. But when I think he's full speed, he has flashes and signs that I think he can be potent in what we do. Um, but I think it really starts up front. And, uh, you know, those five guys and the way they're gelling and what they're doing, I've uh, been really impressed with our offensive line.
1: And that is uh, Auburn Offensive Coordinator Phillip Montgomery talking about the offensive line there at the close, as we had said. So uh, they feel very good about that. I, again, really uh, uh, want to see that matchup of this new-look offensive line and the additions, so many additions on the defensive side, especially up front. Coming up tomorrow. We'll get to our final break of the afternoon. Stick with us as we wind it down here on the Friday Drive.
0: Time to churn up some more yardage on the Drive. Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck on ESPN 1067 and online at ESPNAU.com. To be a part of The Drive, call 334-321-1390, toll-free at 888-382-7502, or email The Drive at ESPNAU.com.
1: Welcome back in. Final couple of minutes of The Friday Drive with Bill and Dan. Auburn baseball going to have to try to battle from behind once again. As Texas A&M, three in the first. Auburn came back with two in the bottom. A&M, two and still batting in the top of the second. What was that stat we just saw from, uh, from the broadcast of the game? Auburn's earned run average in game three of series is... In the
2: 11s. In the 11s. In the 11s. And uh, LaViolette, before taking ball four to uh, walk in a run to make it 5-2 A&M, uh, he hit a foul ball. That was a towering shot just on the wrong side of
1: the right field. That's the right side for Auburn. That's, that's but, right. But yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, mm. cr- crushed one and then, so, and then takes ball four to, uh, uh, to, to walk in a run.
1: Yeah, so it's 5-2, bases loaded, two outs, top two. This game... Uh, far from being over, but uh, Auburn didn't want to let it get out of hand. Any, any defensive, a couple of minutes left, <laughs> any, anything de- on the defensive side? That you're well, I mean, de- See, yeah, defensive line's going to be really interesting. I mean, I love the additions. Uh, Justin Rogers, um, Mosea Nazili-Kite, uh, Lawrence Johnson, Elijah McAllister, the linebackers. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the defense. Hopefully the weather you know, gives us a chance to, to get a, a pretty good feel for what's going on and hope everybody, you know, that that makes it in town is, is able to get in and, and get out without too much. So, yeah, we'll, again, Monday, we're going to be back at Franklin Tire. Brian Matthews should be with us. We'll recap A-Day, sort of recap the spring, look ahead toward recruiting, recap uh, everything else that's gone on over the weekend, Masters, uh, Baseball, We'll talk about that on Monday, but we're out of time here on the Friday edition of The Drive. Have a-